welcome to the Clemson Foothills Church Podcast. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Be turning in your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 4, is where we'll be reading from today. Uh, First things first, though, um, I want you to just think, you know, this is kind of a little pop quiz here where you're sitting, I want you to think, um, what happened this week? What did Jesus do this week in your life that you're grateful for? So just think about it. You don't feel like you have to raise your hand and all that kind of stuff to, to, to answer that. It's not a, I just want you to think and just thank God right now for that, okay? I want you to think. And here's the tough thing, okay, is um, you might sit there and go, I can't think of anything, all right? Let that just be kind of one of those reminders to go, I need to be more perceptive, I need to be more perceptive because there's no way Jesus did not do something that's worth gratitude this, this week. There's no way, okay? And so I want you to just let that be, but I want you to, if you think about it, um, we're going to have a time to pray. Just thank God. Thank you for that. You may have a hundred things you're thinking about. That's awesome, okay? The more we can, like, wrap our minds around just being grateful, okay? Just being grateful um, changes so much. All right. Um, right now, what I do want us to do as we pray is um, uh, right, just pray on your own in silence um, for God to speak to you. Okay. Um, because again, um, you know, all of these things, by the way, great job with communion. That was fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Um, and it's just, we're not waiting even for people to be able to inspire us. We want God to speak to us. Okay, that, that's what's so important that we're doing here, okay? And so I, I want us to take some time where you just have some one-on-one time with God. <laughs> and uh, God, speak to me. Just, just pray specifically. Not all about like a quiet time prayer, but specifically one thing. Please speak to me and give me the courage. Well, two things, I guess. I'll add to that. And the courage to change, right? And three things. No, okay. um, But really, let's do that. And if really you're in a place where you're going, I don't know if I want to pray that way. Pray that. Okay, it's okay. Just pray that. All right. I'm not sure. Okay, so take some time right now. Pray in silence and then um, I'll wrap us up and we'll continue. Father, we we want uh, you to speak to us. I pray that uh, that that you examine and spur us on in areas that we may not even be aware of that we need right now. God, I pray that you will um, open our ears. Um, the world has put such a filter um, on us, just the world we live in. I, I pray that your voice is loud and clear. We, we really do ask, speak for your servants are listening, Father. We want so desperately to listen to your Holy Spirit that's inside of us, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit envelops this room, God, that uh, anything we, we, we're all concerned about or distracted by, please give us supernatural focus, Father, into your word. And, uh, and I do pray that as we leave here, we are focused on you, uh, 
Um, God, we're not focused on us, but we're focused on you and what you want accomplished in this world in this very short time we have on this planet. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for making us a royal priesthood because we sure don't, we don't deserve that, God. Thank you uh, for your mercy and your power. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so what I'd like somebody to do is go ahead and read the first six verses of First Peter chapter 4. But you read out loud. You've got to speak up. Okay, so who would like to do that? Rich, go ahead. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve, because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on in in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged by men in in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. Thank you. All right, somebody else, can you read 7 through 11 for me? Go ahead, Royce. Now, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in, in everything. To him belongs the glory, the power, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And the last section, who'd like to read that? Yeah, go ahead, Lindsay. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come onto you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory in God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will will commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Amen. Okay, so, man, he packs a lot in. This this isn't a lot. You know, we think of a chapter, I don't know how many people really love reading. You know, when you buy a book, okay, chapters are never this short, right? I mean, there's like, there's many pages. But you look at these writers in the Bible, how much they pack into such a, just a small, I mean, this is so condensed, all right? I want to ask you a question, though. So we've been doing this um, series on just by faith, growing in faith, right? What does that mean? How much more am I trusting God with my decisions? How much more do I trust Him versus what I see in the world, right? 
And so we're going through 1 Peter. I, I want you to think about this. Has there been anything that Peter has written about that you've gone, man, I don't know about that. That sounds weird to my ears. Okay, and I'll just give you permission, okay, because a lot of times we go, oh, you would never, I mean, we can't say those things in church, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we read the Bible as we talked about last week. I hope we read the Bible and we should bump up against some things. If we aren't, something's drastically wrong. If we read the Bible and go, oh, this makes perfect sense. This is, wow, this is so simple. Like, I never admit it wasn't easy to do, then I'm like, wow, we're going to be stuck in the dark for a long time. But there's a lot that Peter's written about, and, and I, I'm going, I don't, like, just at a, just a first reading, I'm like, that, I'm bumping up against this a little bit, okay? And have you done that? Has that happened to you? Like, what are some things that you've bumped up against that we've read so far? I think even just with this, like, it doesn't seem weird to me because I've heard it right. so long, but like you said, if I'm reading as if it was the first time, just when it says, like, don't be surprised when you're going through fiery ordeals or when right. you suffer for being a Christian, and I think, like, that because I've heard that so often, it doesn't sound strange, but if I were first reading this as a Christian or someone who's wanting to know God, I would think, like, wait, why would I... What? Why would life get hard, or why would I be going through so much if I'm giving up myself to follow you? Like, that doesn't make sense. Things should mm-hmm. be better or easier. Yeah, fantastic. So we want to read the Bible, and this is really, really tough. I think it requires just prayer that we read it like it's brand new. Because there's far too many times, you know, you sit in a church, you hear something a long time, same way with me, and you're going, oh, yeah, fiery ordeal. Don't be surprised. In a fi- fiery ordeal? Are you kidding me? Like, hold on, Jesus, you're sa- what on earth this is? There should be a point we go, uh-uh-uh, I don't know about this. Like a fiery ordeal doesn't sound like fun. Even if you don't know what that means. You know, nah, don't be surprised. Like, what am I getting into? But a lot of times we're going, no, let's sit here because it's super comfortable in some nice chairs in a climate-controlled room. And let's just go on like everything's fine. Okay, so there should be some things. That's a great point. Anything else that you've bumped up against? Well, I think I always struggle with um, the, the concept of submitting myself to every human <laughs> authority. That's, right. That's rough. Boy. It's, it's like, I really, for the Lord's sake, yeah. that's, that's the caveat. Yeah, yeah. It, isn't it interesting how many times, how often he talks about submitting, submitting to... People who are over us, submitting to spouses, submitting to. And I've not really met, well, let me, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that was like, I love submission. <laughs> like, I just can't wait to go find a job where somebody's just going to lord it over me. I've never heard that ever. Okay. In fact, all of us from little, we're like, no, 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 no. I'm not submitting to nothing. Okay. And so, what does it say maybe about us, how we read the Bible, when we can read something like that and be okay with just staying how we are or assuming that we've got it already? Man, I got that because I've heard it a hundred times, right? There are these things, okay, that you kind of bump up against. Let me turn on my little machine here. Um, This is what I think. This was a selfie that uh, I was reading the Bible with Rory and we took a selfie of her, okay? (laughs) But, uh, but that's the thing. We should go, what? what did he just say? Let me just tell you, that's an okay response to reading the Bible. It just is. Okay? Because uh, he says things like, be holy. 
And you know, in, in a setting, like a community setting like this, we're like, oh yeah, holy, that's like one of those churchy words. And it's great, we can say it here. <laughs> Don't ever say it anywhere else. Because it's one of those weird words, except, hold on a minute, he said, be holy because I'm holy. Like, am I really, am I ashamed of God's holiness? Because he's calling me to be like him, except it's like, hold on a minute, that, boy, that's one to bump up against. Like, you mean to be, ho- aren't we holy already? Well, yeah, to a certain degree. Okay, but he's calling us to be set apart, right? He said, I'm going to build you. That's one of the things Peter writes. He goes, you're going to be built into this house, right? As a community, he goes, I'm going to take this and I'm going to build my kingdom, right? You're going, what, really? I didn't sign up to be built into any kind of kingdom, okay? And that may be, you, that may be something you're thinking about is, hold on a minute. I'm following Jesus. I'm not being built into anything, that's not his plans, though. His plans are that we are being built into something. Well, as we've already said, Steve's problem in life is submission, right? And we'll pray for him uh, and hope that he overcomes that. Um, and then Peter speaks inordinately about suffering. And there isn't any soul that wants that. Nobody, okay? And so to go, wow, this is just normal. Let's read it and go eat Moe's afterwards. That wouldn't be a normal response. That doesn't mean you can't go eat Moe's afterwards, okay? Or Chipotle or wherever you want to go, okay? But it's the idea of if I'm not being impacted on a deep level with these words, all right, then, then what I'm, my prayer life should become is soften my heart. Because when this becomes normal, where I'm just like, oh, yeah, rejoice in <laughs> sufferings. Really? Don't be surprised when you suffer. I'm surprised all the time when I suffer, Okay, I'm like, what is going on? Okay, do you ever think this when you're suffering trials? Remember in 1 Peter 1, he doesn't just say, he says suffering in difficult trials. Do you ever go through a hard time and you're going, God, what did I do? How bad is that theology? What do I need to do? Do you want me to pray more? Do you want me to do this? And he's going, no, no, actually, don't be surprised when this happens. Don't be surprised. I'm going, wow, that's a tough one. Okay, There's there's some tough things because... When we try to take the Bible and fit it into American Jesus, you can't do it. You can't do it. You, you just can't, okay? And don't, listen, don't, oh, man, I knew, I knew Keith was like a liberal. I knew Keith was all this. Don't, listen, this isn't a political message here, okay? But what I'm saying is if you read the Bible and try to fit it into American Jesus, you will bump up against such frustration. You will live a, such a boring, desperate life of going to church. Okay, because we think, well, Jesus loves America more than any other. And we say, well, well, America is today's Israel. Says where? Yeah, I'm just saying. So 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 all I'm saying is, is, is that so (laughs) we're going to talk more about this. But but really, we're going to butt up against it where we're going to go. Hold on a minute. Um, What American Jesus is and what. Um, that I'm reading in the Bible, how do I get those to fit? And it's going to be really, really tough. And then we're going to have to make up weird stories on how to make them fit. Okay. Here's the thing is, is we're kind of addicted to repurposing, right? I mean, that's the thing is how many shows are on TV? Like how many, I Googled repurposing things and it's like, woo, like all of these, you could repurpose. We love that, right? I mean, you could repurpose some boots. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. That is the coolest thing. I love taking baths. If you made a sofa out of a bathtub, that would be even better, right? 
Just go, let it go. Just let it go, okay? That, I didn't mean for that to come out, okay? So just let it go. But look at that. Isn't that neat, though? I mean, isn't it cool to see that? Like, you see people do creative things, and you're like, wow, I never thought that was a neat use, okay? There's even some other ones. See, the holder for the Jack Daniels bottle next to it is really the kicker. Hey, man, I'm just saying. It's repurposed. Best of both worlds. Repurposed. Hey, what can we do with this sofa? Put an outboard on it. Right? They got a little coffee table and all those things. Why do I say this? If we love, there's something deep in almost everybody. Like, oh, repurposing thing is neat. Things are neat. Even at cars, boats, all of these different things, okay? Um, but we've repurposed Jesus, I think. I think we've repurposed him. Where we're going, hold on a minute. We've created a Jesus that when you look at it, just like the boots that had the flowers in them, but that's not what the boots were made for. All right. Just like the bathtub with the sofa. But that's not what the bathtub was meant for. The bathtub wasn't built to be a sofa. And we have this American Jesus and we're going, hold on a minute. Have I? I just want you to ask yourself that. Have I repurposed Jesus? OK, what does that mean? OK, is this is American Jesus. And just so you know, I'm not pulling these out of the air. There's actually a huge nationwide study that was done in like 2005, I think, or 2008 by Barna Research, okay? Barna Research isn't like Lifeway books and they're doing like 20, they're asking 20 Christians their opinion. Barna is like a huge like group, okay? I mean, it's used with all kinds of polling. They asked folks um, who said they were Christians, and in fact, they even narrowed that down, is you, you, you say you're a Christian and you go to church every single Sunday. That was their, their standard, okay? That they, and they took those people and they asked them, um, what did Jesus come for? Like, what's Jesus all about? Okay, and this was by far upwards to the point of three out of four people who are sitting in churches believe that this, what I'm about to show you, is what's right, okay? The first one is, is that all Jesus really wants is for people to believe he exists. Okay, 70, 75% of people would say that's all he wants. Okay? He just wants you to believe he exists. He wants you to be good, nice, and fair to people. That's what he wants, okay? This is, and anything bad yet so far about this? I mean, there's nothing horrible about it except he wants people to be good, nice, and fair. G- American Jesus, he wants what matters most is feeling good about yourself. Like, that's the ultimate goal. And honestly, many times in Christianity, that's what we feel our ultimate goal is. When I feel best about myself, I must be doing something right. Okay? And he only needs to be involved in your life in a crisis. Like, he'll leave you alone, mostly. He'll leave you alone when you want to go get a job, when you want to do things that aren't bad. But when things go bad, he's 911. That's what many times people think. And then he brings all good people to heaven. Um, he, here's the problem. None of those in and of themselves are bad, except there is no biblical principle for any of these. Right. Did, did you know that? There's nothing in the Bible that would make us think. If you were to read the, just the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, 
you wouldn't find this. Okay, you, you wouldn't find it. Now, you could like pull words out here and there to like create something, but you would not find this, okay? Here's what we would find, and I think this is a little bit disturbing. Jesus said, here's what I came to do, seek and save what was lost. Right? This was my purpose. This is why I came down. It, it wasn't just so everyone feels better about themselves. It isn't just so people will be good, nice, and fair. It's not just to believe he exists. He said, no, that was a specific thing. And you know what? We're sitting here, and all of us will go, man, I am so grateful. We, we take communion. We think about Jesus. We think about the cross. We're like, oh, I am so thankful that he came and saved me. But we, there's a disconnect when we go, hold on a minute. He did that, and then he told us to go do that. That's why he came, but we might repurpose him. We go, no, 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 what he wants for me, though, is just to be good, fair, and nice to people. What he wants from me, though, is just to be, you know, kind. He said this. Does this disturb you? He said, I, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but bring division. Right, you you got to let that sink in for a second. That does not sound like it. Anybody have that on their wall at home? You know, American Jesus with this underneath it, you know? I came to bring division, not peace. You're going, What? Because here's the thing is, when Jesus is, where Jesus is concerned, a decision is required. There's no, like, gray area. It's like, I'm with him or not with him. There's one thing that matters. He said, I didn't come just to say, put everybody in a pot and go, now, now everything's great. He's like, no, my own message will divide. Right? We read about that. The word of God is sharper than any sort. It divides. Okay? But you think about it going, man, um, Wow, he came to bring not peace, but division. He said he came to serve, not to be served. That hurts in our entitlement era. That hurts. Because we're going, hold on, man, didn't, like if anybody deserved to be served, it was Jesus. How often do we go, I don't deserve that. I I work too hard to deserve that. I don't, and Jesus goes, no, but see, before you repurposed me, I came here to be a servant. That's what I actually came for. I was going to seek and save the lost by being a servant. And then at the end of verse 28, he said, and to give his life. Okay, see, before we repurposed him, we, as American Jesus, we think he's just a patriotic, fun trying like psych like a psychologist like make my make me feel better about myself and then i'll treat people better and then the world will be better so we're going hold on a minute he came down with a laser focus like there's lost people and i need to save them like that's the only reason he couldn't go down there and go you know what i did have that mission but the coffee shops down here are so awesome i think i'm just going to have a mission to try all the coffees in the world you know he didn't get off track he's like oh it's awesome down here at the beach at the mediterranean whoa man now i'm just going to sit down here it's going to be great he's like no i came for a reason i came for a reason and my message is going to actually divide there's going to be one person's going to hear the message and embrace it and another person's going to hear it and get angry and jesus is like well that's how the message goes okay 
And he goes, I came down in every situation. And, and we talked about this on Wednesday a little bit, whether it's uh, on a Sunday morning gathering, whether it's at Y Beach, whether it's at home, whether it's in your marriage, whatever it is, is going in to give. Going in to give, okay? Because there's nothing worse. Because American Jesus says, go and be served. Go and let your life be comfortable. Go in and, and if people aren't treating you the way you want to be treated, then something's wrong. And Jesus is like, no, I came to give and to give and to give and to give. That's what I came to do, okay, and give my life. So there's this idea of just, man, maybe we've repurposed. I bet you in all of us there's a little repurposing. I bet you in all of us there's a little repurposing, right? But here's the deal is, here in 1 Peter 4, here's what it takes faith, okay? Right there in verse 1, he says, therefore, he says, since Christ suffered, there's a theme of Peter, okay? And what he reminds us constantly is, yeah, see, Jesus isn't just telling us to suffer for no reason. He suffered first, most, worst, okay? He's going, hey, the guy we're following suffered. It says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourself with the same resolve there in verse 1, or the same mindset, maybe your, verse, your Bible says. Because the one who has suffered in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. That's a tough one. Hold on a minute. The one who suffered in the flesh is done with sin. How does that work? You mean I'm not going to sin? You mean, oh man, how does that? And all, all of a sudden, American Jesus doesn't cut it for us anymore when it comes to interpretation. Because we're going, hold on a minute, how is that? And a good person, so I mean, Jesus is going to make me this, and it's going to be good, but I'm going to be done with sin. But no, people are going to sin still. And he's going, no, no, no. See, American Jesus messes you up. But real Jesus, who came down to serve and to seek and save the lost, Real Jesus who came down with a sword. Real Jesus who came down with his word. Real Jesus that came down for this. What he came down for, he says, listen, you'll suffer for this, but look at this. He said, you will no longer live for human desires, but for God's will. You're locked into real Jesus. It's, it's harder to sin in that way. <laughs> okay. Sin, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being so enveloped in the will of God that sin ceases? It's hard to do with American Jesus because we're just trying to be good. And then what we have to start doing is we have to make up stories like, well, no one's perfect. Well, don't judge people. Well, don't do all that. That's American Jesus right there, okay? He goes, this is what will happen right here is is that uh, that this one thing, right, this one thing matters to Jesus, that laser focus of there's people down there that need to be shown me, and that's what I'm there for. Any other lens that we read this through, we've got to make a story up, okay? We've got to make a doctrine up. We've got to make a theology up here, okay? Here's what's tough about this, though, okay? Because we're going, hold on. He doesn't say go behave like Jesus necessarily. He says go and think the same way he does. Like equip your minds. That's a training method. That's over time. Equip your minds, right? So every one of us, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room, we can go... Boy, what would that mean to start equipping my mind to be like Jesus? That means thinking how he would think about people and situations. Right? Do, I think about the, do I think about people the same way Jesus does? Or do I just get ticked off? Or do I call people names? You know, you know what's interesting is, is, is that's one of those things, man, I, my heart has been so convicted by because it's so easy for me to just like throw a name out. Okay? Oh, man, idiot. 
fool, you know, whatever. And it's really amazing the premium that Jesus puts on that. He's like, don't call people that. You're, you're calling my creation that. And you could end up in hell for that. <laughs> for, for, I mean, come on, Jesus? No, that's how serious he is about this, right? Is, is he saying these things? Am I thinking the same way about people and situations? Do I think the same way about dating relationships as Jesus would think about it? And marriage, uh, about, um, about alcohol consumption, about living in the world. Do I think the same way about sin as he does? Or is it just like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to struggle with this sin. Jesus doesn't think about sin that way. Jesus is like, no, I'm, I've got to die. That's how bad sin is, okay? So he says here, equip your minds. Equip your minds right here. And he goes on this whole section right here. But he says, equip your minds to be enveloped in the will of God, not to try to live a better life here on earth. Okay, you know what makes this tough right here? Um, This. Anybody know what that means? Mm -hmm. Um, This may be, you know what? For for us, for you guys, you younger guys in here, you need to teach my kids this. And you kids, as you grow up, you're going to teach, need, need to teach your kids this, is because Satan has created this into be something we think is just hilarious. And you know what it means? Faithless. It's not that funny anymore, huh? <laughs> Faithless. Fear of missing out. It's the idea of, man, I don't know if I want to make this decision or commit to this because something better may come. Or what if I miss this? Okay. And it's the idea of going, okay, well, let's just call it what it is. Just, I just don't trust Jesus because something better may come along, right? I just don't trust his way. I just don't. That's what makes it hard, okay? That's what makes it really difficult here um, to think Jesus' way because our way is something better may come, right? Oh, man, I can't commit to coming to Y Beach on Sundays because what if something funner came up? Funner's not a word, okay? It's not a word. I'm just saying. I use it just because of a little grammatical help right there. So, but it is not a word, okay? Um, but here's the thing, man, there might be something else that comes up. Well, I don't want to commit to cross training. I don't want to commit to midweek. I don't want to commit to my family group. I don't want to commit to getting with somebody every week at the same time. What if something I really want to do comes up? That's not how Jesus thinks. That's not how Jesus thinks at all. Okay. And it's just amazing why I say that this has fooled us is because I've seen over like the last five or 10 years or so is this idea of uncommittedness. And I don't mean two meetings. I mean uncommitted to making plans. Okay? It's the idea of going, nah, well, let me hold off on that. I mean, it's baffled me because I would say prior to like five years ago, I've never heard in my entire life a college student pass up a free meal. Ever. I mean, it's like, you want a free meal? If somebody comes up, you want to come over to my house and eat? You're like, dude, I don't care if I'm having my liver removed. I'm coming over to get a free meal. And I'm taking some with me. Okay? You know what's amazing is, is how far I've had to see people go to beg college students to come over and eat a free meal. I got studying. Do you not eat? <laughs> like, don't, listen, Clemson's a good school. It ain't that hard. Okay, I know that's offensive. You're like, what are you saying, Keith? It's the hardest public university. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not, okay? I mean, let's come on down off our high horse just a little bit, Okay. But it's that idea of the uncommittedness, the idea of like, oh, man, but what if I went over and ate dinner at their house? And then, but what if one of my friends called and something else fun was going on? And then what we do is we go, but I need to maybe reach out to them. 
like we spiritualize it, right? We're going, but if I go and commit to eating dinner over at, you know, Philipsky's house, he's going to feed us food, let's say. I'm going, but what if my friend calls and wants to do something else? Aren't I supposed to reach out? No, come on. Let, let's be real, okay? Let's not throw that out there because that ain't true, okay? And so it's that idea of, of this, of just, man, um, the fear of missing out, there has to be a radical level of repentance on this. I mean, radical. I mean, your friends should go, you did what? That's what he writes here. He says, it should be so radical in your life, this thinking the way Jesus thinks, that people think you're weird that you don't think the way they do. All right? And you got to think about it. Do my friends think I'm weird because I don't have this obsession with the fear of missing out? But if I don't do this, I won't get a pay raise. And if I don't do this, I won't go see that. And if I don't do this, and if this person doesn't, I'm not going to marry. You know, and it, does the world see, hey, dude, I'm following Jesus in his will, and I'm good. I'm not missing out because I want to follow him. Okay? But you still may miss out. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that ridiculous? You're going, what do you mean? But I, I'll never get another chance to go to Disney World. Hey, man. I mean, th- th- this is why it divides. This is right here is why Jesus divides. Because you could make this argument like, dude, that's so legalistic. N- no, it's, it's absolutely not. Okay? It's following Jesus or not following Jesus. And just if we start calling it what it is, it will make us all feel better, I think, if going, I don't want to follow Jesus. Okay? That will be helpful. We got to kind of think about that a little bit or go, no, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to at least think about my decisions here. At least think about them according to God's will, not just what I want, right? It takes faith to trust that the end is near. It takes faith, real faith, right? When he writes this, hey, the end is near, okay? That was 2,000 years ago. It's nearer. I think that's a real word, okay? I can't put ER on the end of that one. It's nearer now. Could I imagine investing in something? I mean, you know, I mean, think about it now is, is gosh, man, isn't, you know, when you, when you get a job and you get perks and you get, like, stock options and all that kind of stuff, they're going, man, I, my portfolio's got to last, man. Like, when I turn 60-whatever, i got to have enough money to live on. What if you never make it that far? What if Jesus comes back next week? And you're like, I spent all of my time, money, effort, energy in preparing a larger barn so I can live well later. Okay? And, and again, don't get fi- you're not going to get financial advice from me. I'm not a financial planner. Okay? But the thing, you're going, oh, this is so, you, you might pull people, keep, don't listen to that. You've got to be, you know, be responsible for your, listen, you're not going to hear that from me. Because Jesus tells us maybe not to be so responsible. Okay? <laughs> Maybe stop storing up for ourselves, okay? And so, you know, you look at these things and go, man, it's hard to trust that. It's hard to trust when I'm going, oh, man, I could do this, and then my employer's going to double that, and then in 65 years, me and my spouse are going to, when I'm 65, we're going to go get this awesome beach, our Kiwi lake house, and it's going to be so cool. And, and then we're going, hold on a minute. I hadn't even given one thought to even why Jesus came. I didn't even thought if I'm following him. Like a lot of times we can be all out here. He just wants me to be good. He just wants me to believe. He just wants me to. And he's going, like, 
is our heart about seeking and saving the lost, being a servant, not being served, right? Bringing the word courageously, right? It's hard to do that. What if what he wrote in here is true? What if it's actually true? Like, what if the Bible's actually true? All right? What argument will there be? Well, I, man, I really thought that you were like American Jesus. I thought you just wanted to believe in you. Like, that's all we hear in America is so many people came and believed in you. And Jesus like, okay, where did you get that? Just because you see the word believe, you can't make this whole story up about the word. Okay. But it's this idea of like, what if, what if that's true? What if this is true? And he says this, though. He says the end is near, so live this way. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Okay. Why would you complain if you invited somebody over to your house for a meal? <laughs> that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. You're like, hey, you want to come over and have some food? We're going to have some hamburgers and hot dogs and all that kind of stuff. Gosh, I hate when they come over here. You're the nerve of them. Okay, But it's, it's worse than that because what he's saying is, is when, you over, when you're overly hospitable, it starts costing you something. It starts costing you something. Hey, we don't have the money to be hospitable. It doesn't say that it's okay to not be hospitable. Right? Because as Jessica and Adam were sharing before, man, you mean the God who took these loaves and fishes and multiplied them? He's going, hold on a minute. Man, this is going to start costing us. Don't complain because it costs you. But be hospitable. Why? The end is near. Right? Listen, I might not be able to afford a brand new car in retirement, but the end is near. I might not make it to retirement. Jesus could come back next week, and then I'll be like, yes, so grateful that I didn't go and invest all that money. Nobody likes that joke. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. Just saying. He says, be hospitable without complaining. He says, uh, before that, above all, maintain an intense love for each other. The end is near. Don't panic. Maintain an intense love for one another. Okay. Wow. If this is real, what then? If it's real, the end is near. Then what? What he says, maintain an intense love. Maintain an intense love for one another. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. Anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides. Don't just, don't just work and work and work and work and work until you burn out. He says, connect with God. Let him strengthen you to serve. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and power forever and ever. And he says, then he gets to our favorite part right here. Don't be, a, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes. Don't be surprised about that. Listen, it takes faith to suffer unjustly. It takes faith to go through hard times and somebody did something to you. It takes faith to go, well, I want to just get mine. I don't care about anyone else. I want to make sure that my life is okay. Okay, it it takes faith to do that. Okay, here's what it comes down to: is who's the boss? Who who is the boss? Like we talk about the king, we don't have any concept of a king in our world. We just don't. We know about there. You know, England can have a king, and we know that there's like a TV show king, like Game of Thrones, that has kings. I guess I guess there's a throne, there's a king, right? I don't know, but but the thing about it is, is we don't know about a king. 
but it comes down to the king as the boss. Okay. It, it is difficult. It takes a lot of faith to suffer unjustly. Here's what I have to remind myself. Who's the boss? But who's the boss? Okay. This is what we oftentimes remember this. This is us oftentimes. Even spiritually, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And you know what we've, we do even relationally? This is what ends up happening is, is and, and in, in the preacher world, this is what ends up happening. I can hear somebody who's like humble and sharing stories about themselves and all that kind of stuff because what we want is an interceder. We want to go to somebody before we go to Jesus. Okay. And so it gives us an excuse if we don't obey. Oh, no, man, I, I don't know if I like this style. I don't know if I liked all these kind of things. In fact, what we're saying is, no, you, God, you're not going to be the boss of me because I heard it through that dude and I don't like that dude. You're not the boss of me, okay? How many times, maybe you suffer from this and don't know it. This might be a good question to ask each other. You're not the boss of me. Maybe it comes up at certain times. You may have to give, you're not the boss of me, okay? Just who's the boss? Who's the boss? Don't be, don't be surprised when there's trials. Instead, rejoice, it says in verse 13, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that, you, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. He says, you remember that he's coming back. And that's our guy. That's the guy I love, Jesus. That's the guy I love. But you're suffering unjust. Then you don't understand. But he did too. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jesus didn't have like a home base that he just put his head down all the time. It's like, but that's my guy, Jesus. Yeah, he suffered unjustly. But you want to know what? When I was baptized into Christ, I said, that's who I want to follow. He didn't make me. He didn't go, buddy, you're going to get in that water and you're going to like it every step of the way. I thought it through. I prayed it through. And I said, that's my guy right there. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows. It's this idea of, you know what? You're going through a trial right now. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? Because you don't know what? Don't blame people. Jesus is the boss, okay? So here's the deal, okay? Beginning of the year, we were talking about this, all right? These four simple, simple, simple principles that the Bible can be read through this lens is this idea of Jesus, the guy we're following, the guy we love, the guy we want to love more, the guy we want to want to please more God in the flesh you know what he tells us all the time in the gospels in the writings in the book of acts in all these things you know what he reminds everybody constantly of the gospel hey you want to know what this isn't just suffering for no reason there is it is so amazingly good that you can delay gratification it is so good that you can say no to sin It is so good that when you suffer, you're going to be like, okay, that's okay, because Jesus did too. And that doesn't mean it's fun or pleasant, but I don't complain, and I don't whine, and I don't get all, like, into myself and all that kind of stuff. He saturates us, and he says, listen, me and you, we've we've got to be saturated in the gospel. That gives us the answer to why. Why would I stay pure? Because this news is so good, and Jesus is so good. And his Holy Spirit is so awesome, okay? And then, you know, people who are saturated in the gospel, 
There is this unconditional discipleship that you see over and over and over again. What, is, what does that mean, unconditional? It means it's like, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you when you start doing things I want you to do. That's conditional discipleship. Jesus, when you make my life better, I'll start following you. Like, you must not be right. You know, you start dabbling in Christianity and stuff goes wrong. That's just the truth. You start dipping your toe in the water, and it's like, now some folks, you're like, oh, my life got so awesome so quick, okay? And, but oftentimes, you dip your toe in the water, and you're going, what happened to my life? Right? Unconditional discipleship says, no matter what, I'm following you. Because I love you because of the gospel. And because of this unconditional discipleship, you want to know what? Is I am devoted to a community that I know and they know me. That's really vital, okay? Because in our day, it's kind of like, well, but I go to this church for this, and then I go over to this church for this, and then I go to this group for that, and then I come back to this group for this. And you have a lot of religious teaching, and no one knows you. And you don't know anyone, okay? He's like, no, there's a community that you will be known and you'll know, okay? And that community makes disciples, yeah. all right? And here's the funny thing about this. Whatever one you feel like, that's the sticking point for me. Move up one level because there's where the problem is. Okay. If you're going, no, 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 I'm, I'm all the way down. I'm okay with being a disciple as long as it fits my schedule perfectly. I'm not sacrificing anything. I'm not sacrificing time. I'm not sacrificing sleep. I'm not sacrificing money. I'm not sacrificing anything, okay? And you're there. You're going, no, my discipleship is condi- conditional. There's a gospel problem in your life, Okay. There's a gospel problem because there's a complete disconnect to this. If it's disciple-making, it's a community problem. Maintain an intense love for one another. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Right? So which level requires repentance here? I say all this because it kind of wraps up what, we've, what chapter 4 is about here. Okay? It wraps it all up. Instead of just becoming this list of to-dos, Instead of just becoming this list of like, okay, well, I guess I got to do that, and I'm horrible at this, and oh, man, I can't get any worse, and we're pouting, and we're whining, we're going, hold up a minute. Did I read 1 Peter chapter 4 through the lens of the gospel? Have I read this book of 1 Peter through the lens of the gospel? And by the way, the entire first chapter is the gospel. Okay, Am I reading it through the lens of Jesus going, you follow me, not American Jesus? Okay, you follow me, not American Jesus, and devoted to a community where you walked in here, where you're a part of a community to the point where it's like, like people know me deeply and I know them deeply and I'm committed to that. Okay. And then just this idea of non, um, you know, voluntary evangelism or disciple making, right? It's this idea of, well, some people do that. Except Jesus said, no, 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 come on. Go make disciples. Right? Baptize them. You know, what, you know what messes us up with disciple making? We feel like we have to make theologians. <laughs> right? Man, the, the early church, that seemed like they baptized people so much more quickly. Okay? Because Matthew 28 says, and teach them to obey everything. 
right? It's the idea of, hey, yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you know who Jesus is? You know what he did? You know you got to follow him? You know that? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Like, you got that? Okay, and there's, obviously, you got to work through some things, but it's very intimidating if I have to help somebody become a master theologian before they become disciples. Instead of going, hey, can you commit to being together for the next year where we learn to obey everything God has commanded? Yeah, that sounds pretty good, Okay. But it's just discouraging. We can just get totally like overwhelmed by this. So anyway, think through. I think now, hopefully you'll take some time later to think, you know, okay, Jesus, what did you say to me? Okay. What, what popped out? What was the thought that I need to go back to and I've got to rehash it? Okay. What was that thing that I've got to go back and I've got to pray about? What was that thing that I bumped up against and I'm like, I don't like that? I don't like that. And I'm going to just bring somebody else into my life to help me with that and to pray about that together, okay?